Welcome to Christ Central of Southern California today. Thank you for joining us for worship. I'm Harold, one of the pastors. We've been going through the Gospel of Mark. We're at Mark chapter 1, verses 35 to 45. I'll read this for us, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him, And sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is God's word so far. This gospel author by the name of Mark is a Hollywood-style writer and director. More than any other gospel, Mark highlights and records the miraculous healing ministry of Jesus Christ. Nobody worked more miracles than Jesus Christ. Historians, believing or not, do not dispute the number and the nature of of reported events. You may not believe that those events occur, but they cannot dispute the number and nature of these reported events, well beyond David Blaine. So while miraculous healing attracted the crowds, the crowds kept coming out, everyone is looking for you. Jesus, however, in verse 38 says, I primarily came to preach. See, we got to keep moving. I got to get onto these next towns because I didn't primarily come to heal. He actually came to preach. And nobody preached or spoke with more authority. Chapter 1, verse 27. People are astounded by the authority with which Jesus taught. No notes, no footnotes, no outside references. You know, Jesus Christ taught the law in a room full of experts and scholars who had studied it all their lives and made a living off of this vocation. Jesus taught as if he wrote it as the original author. He taught with such force, with such exposure and conviction that the scholars and the experts ended up envying him and hating him. Nobody did more miracles, and nobody taught or preached with more authority. So in summary of the ministry of Jesus Christ, in healing, Jesus cured immediate and felt needs. But in preaching, he delivers us from deadlier diseases 
we don't even recognize. Jesus did both. He did both, preaching and healing, with his words and with his works, speaking and shepherding, a full, rich combination, and Jesus Christ was perfect at both. Perfect at both. Notice, notice there's preaching and healing here that both happened in the healing of the leper. They're both at work. See how this happens or see how it happened. First, I want you to see the move of the leper. See the desperate move of, of the leper. Okay, leprosy in Jesus' day was more than a physical skin disease that ate you alive, that would eat you up alive. If you want to go check out Leviticus chapter 13, there are elaborate detailed steps for people who may or may not have leprosy, but in severe full-on cases of leprosy, the priest would instruct you, you must go into complete quarantine, isolation. You must go away and be by yourself. So you see, leprosy was a total and devastating condition. It was not just physical. Enormously psychological, emotional, social, and even spiritual. Leprosy was seen in Jesus' day as a sign of having been cursed by God. And because it was contagious, lepers were required and instructed that anywhere near people, they would have to issue their own vocal alarm bell by crying out, unclean, unclean. In other words, get away from me. Don't come near if you get near anyone who is really suffering, most will tell you that the worst part or form of suffering is the isolation, feeling all alone. But in desperation, the leper drops all inhibitions. He just breaks social and religious codes. Look at verse 40. Leper came to him, imploring him or begging him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, if you will, you can make me clean. This is a scandalous public scene. It's like the leper just threw himself at Jesus. You know, he had no other options. He had nowhere else to go anyhow. Nothing or no one could help him. He threw himself unconditionally, just surrendered himself to Jesus. And who knows what would happen to him if Jesus does not respond or Jesus does not make a move. And having thrown himself at Jesus, do you hear what he says? So unassuming. It's like he's been stripped of all hopes, all pride. No self-diagnosis or even demands. He just says, if you will. Lord Jesus, if you can if you would take any time to bother, you can make me clean. The desperation. The desperation of the leper. Oh, but in verse 41, I want you to see the compassion. How Jesus Christ 
was moved with compassion. Now, I know it says pity here in the ESV. I'm just going to have to disagree. That is a very poor translation. Other English translations say indignation, that he was furious and angry. And there are appropriate plenty of times Jesus got furiously, righteously angry. But I don't think here he was filled and moved with compassion. By definition, it means to suffer with, passion with. And Jesus is the epitome of compassion because he stops to see and to feel your pain. Compassion stops to see and feel your pain. I suggested last week that one of the most miraculous things Jesus Christ maybe ever did next to his resurrection in a high, busy, competitive, performing, productive, demand-filled world where so much more business could be done at any second was how Jesus withdrew and prayed to love his Father in heaven who so infinitely loved on him. Remarkable. Jesus would stop to pray. Well, here, he stops for people in pain. A full stop. He is fiercely and fully present. Oh, no, all phones are just turned off. They're put away. He doesn't seem agitated or forced or annoyed. Not once. And think with me. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You know, not even one of those manifestations is possible when you, are, you and I are always in a rush or in a hurry. Jesus was never in a hurry. In Mark chapter 5, a bleeding, hemorrhaging woman for 12 years. She's tried the ancient doctors. Nothing has worked. She's run out of money. She is near hopelessness. She comes up and touches the garments or the cloaks of Jesus. Before that woman comes to touch Jesus or interrupt him, if you will, a father whose heart is breaking has told him of an urgent medical request. His daughter at home is dying on the verge of death. And do you know what Jesus does? While the father is standing by, he gives his full attention, stops for this woman, and heals her first. While the daughter actually ends up dying. I mean, this is the worst kind of fallout. Reputational fallout. You know, it's like a malpractice lawsuit. Guaranteed. But I want you to see in Jesus, there's something so sweet and compassionate about Jesus. And do you know what it begins with? It just begins with the ability to stop. To stop. And to see and feel the pain of the person right in front of you. So many times I just need to be stopped. At Lisa Park of our church shared an Instagram post by Jennifer Coe in which she shared this. Quote, I gained a new perspective from my lower elevation. I saw how the world around me simultaneously dismissed, pitied, and despised my wheelchair 
and oftentimes me in it. Almost everyone I talked to wanted me out of it. Men showed me I was no longer attractive. Women showed me I was too difficult to befriend. Bus drivers loathed putting down the ramp for me. People were irritated when they tripped over me or exasperated. It seemed the world despised my wheelchair and my need for it. To them, I was a burden. To them, I was a burden. You know, this kind of sadness, that kind of embarrassment, Jennifer is able to share now because she goes on to say, God has been healing her. Healing her. Healing her in the sense of how she handles and responds to a world that does not stop. Hear with the leper, see the compassion of Jesus Christ. The move of compassion. First, he stops to see and feel. Second, compassion stretches and touches across all barriers. Stretches and touches across all barriers. See, whereas cultural and religious rules, regulations, customs, laws kept lepers, the lame, the disabled, the disfigured, the blemished from the worship of God, far away from the people of God. Here is God in Jesus Christ bringing a whole new way of getting into a relationship with God. Jesus comes, he stretches, he touches. And it's all based on his compassion. Look at verse 41. Moved with pity. Once again, that's a poor translation, but moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I will be clean. I will be clean. Now, did Jesus need to stretch out his hand and touch the leper in order to heal and make him clean? I would say not at all. There are plenty of other times Jesus touches with just a mere word. In fact, the scripture tells God the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit created all things with just their words. So why then does Jesus stretch out his hand to touch the leper and make him clean? Well, it's not because of any need that Jesus had. He was simply touching and meeting the need of the lepers who you can only imagine hadn't been touched for who knows how long. His outstretched hand, his outstretched touch is the most barrier-breaking move in all of human history. You know, as I was studying and preparing this passage, our dear sister Jamie Lee came to mind. She came to vivid. I mean, it's like a vivid visual in my heart. So I got to text her and ask her. You know, she started Access Ministry here at CCSC. And I said, Jamie, help me see what you see in this passage. I got to do this more often with our church folks. I don't know why it's taken so long. But quite frankly, it's, uh, it's a little more work. It's more complicated. But uh, let me see what you see in this passage. And... Uh, 
you know, with the permission, I joked, as soon as I sent that email, I got a little scared because if you know anything about Jamie, I said, but please don't send me a dissertation. Don't give me, don't give me 50 pages because she is a fountain of living water <laughs> bursting forth and so much of her insights flow through this message. But more than that, have continued to try and shape this heart. I want to see what you see. Well, she rush-ordered a gift to me, a book entitled Disability in the Church, written by Lamar Hardwick, who is self-described as the autism pastor. Happens to be black as well, a black autism pastor. And here's what I've been learning in that book. While close to 20% of the world's population, Jamie has taught us this as well, foundationally, that's one in five of the world's population are disabled. Only five to 10% of the disabled community are effectively reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hear his words and feel his touch. Making this community one of the largest unreached communities to this day. And I want you to consider what I'm doing right now. How we at CCSE are reaching you virtually through a video camera, through computers, through the internet. Just as this pandemic pushed almost every church that I know of to make accommodations so that you can worship from home, Lamar Hardwick goes on to probe, imagine the same urgency, value, investment, creative energy toward people unable or unwelcome to join you in worship long before the pandemic. Oh man, that struck home. And to be honest, I don't ask that question. It wouldn't even enter my mind. You know, much like the disciples or the followers of Jesus Christ, the church, starting with your pastor, just keeps asking the wrong questions, very limited questions. It's like in John 9, when they came across a man born blind, the disciples asked the usual, Jesus, why was this man born blind? In other words, why is there so much suffering and evil in the world? Do you know how Jesus answered their question, why was this man born blind? His answer was like a boomerang that came back with a much better question. Here was his answer. So that the works of God can be seen in him. See, that's loaded with a much deeper, better question. The question is this. Jesus comes back to the disciples and say, saying, can you see what God is doing? Don't you see what God is up to? Don't you see that God is not only healing him, but wanting to show you much more of himself? I'm particularly struck this week how often Jesus uses questions to convict and to create better questions. It's as if Jesus turns it back around on me. Don't worry so much about what's happening over there. Do you know how much you need happening in here? 
Harold, can you see? Can you feel? Because on the other side of that, there is so much more to see and gain. You'll find much more of Jesus there. Likewise, back to Lamar Hardwick in his book, he, redirect, he redirects questions, normal questions, about the, the disabled community from, why aren't they healed? Why don't they get healed? To more helpful, hopeful, transformative questions like, why aren't they here? Why aren't they here? Oh, God, have compassion on me. A compassion that stops and sees and feels your pain. And a, and a compassion that stretches and touches across all barriers. My own blindness included. Oh, last but not least. His compassion is comprehensive, countercultural, more contagious. Notice in verse 44, after Jesus healed him, he sternly charged him and sent him away and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof, a proof to them. The care of Jesus Christ is so comprehensive. He cares for the leper, not just that his skin disease has gone away. He cares for his social restoration, his fellowship, to be back in community. A spiritual acclamation back into the worship of God. You need proof. You need proof. Go get proof from the priest. After healing another man in John chapter 5, Jesus commanded him to go and, quote, sin no more, sin no more. Jesus is not in the business of just taking away our physical pain. He came to take away our sin. Oh, and it's most countercultural. You move like this. You and I become more like Jesus in his compassion. We will be countercultural. Because religious professionals and practitioners like to do a lot of preaching without healing. Because religion teaches you to be good without being good with people. Ouch. Religion, by nature, teaches you to be good without actually being good to people. Because as long as you see, as long as you see other people as lesser than and weaker than you and more needy than you, more infirmed or more cursed, slower, not as able as you, you see, through that lens, your heart will never be moved. Your heart cannot break. Oh, and at the same time, make no mistake, Jesus did not come primarily to heal the sick, alleviate the poor, set people free from disease, debt, demons, and slavery without preaching for personal conversion. Jesus did not come to simply do the healing without his preaching. And if you, my friend, anyone listening in, have never seen your own sin, the deadlier disease, that's in you, not out there, not out there. It's right in here. 
and you've desperately never needed salvation from Jesus Christ, do you know you can only turn around and give surface level temporal healing at best? Yeah, I find it, there's a general, generational emphasis as well. Those of us who grew up in the 70s or 80s, we grew up, if you went to church, it was purely about how many people did you evangelize? How many people did you, could you share the gospel with? Now I find it, which was at first so shocking and overwhelming, i got to be honest with you, in the next generation from whom we learn, we must be challenged to learn. It's like, how many people did you serve? How many community services? How many organizations? How many marches? How many things are you active with? But you see, Jesus went about doing both. He went about doing both. And when Jesus touches you and his compassion moves you, moves into you, you will not sit around too long for debates that falsely and unfairly pit evangelism versus justice. You will care less about, is this conservative enough or progressive enough? Am I being faithful or do I appear woke enough? And the processions of that. You know what you're going to do when compassion of Jesus Christ moves into you and moves into our church? You're just going to try to meet needs as best as you can. You're going to do works that match our words. James 2 says, if someone is hungry, feed them. If someone is cold and in need of clothing, clothe them. Jesus, his ministry, why was it so full and rich? Why was it so effective and powerful? Preaching and healing, words and works. Last but not least, leprosy was highly contagious. Yes, it was. But what Jesus did here was even more. What Jesus did here was far more contagious Again, in Levitical law, and who knew those laws and kept it better than Jesus Christ? Jesus, after touching someone who is unclean, he himself needs to go to a priest, do all the ceremonial washings, go through all kinds of protocol to wash himself clean. But Jesus doesn't go. He doesn't wash. He doesn't do anything. Do you know why? Because for the first time in forever, Jesus who is clean made the unclean clean. For the first time in forever, when Jesus stretches out and touches you, he makes the unclean clean. He's far more contagious. And what he is saying and showing here, showing here is this, I don't really care. It does not matter to me. In fact, it cannot hold a candle to me what you have done, how many times you have done it, what's been done to you, or how many times it has been done to you. No matter how dirty or filthy or ashamed you may feel, no matter how other people speak and make you feel a certain way, if I touch you, oh, if I touch you, if I stretch out my hand and touch you, you are clean. You are made clean. 
You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to read Leviticus 13 and carry out all those steps. No, on the spot, right here, right now, Jesus Christ makes the most filthy clean. Now, how is this possible? How can a miracle like that occur? How is the cleanliness of Jesus Christ more contagious or stronger than any stain? A dear, dear college friend of mine, Alan Lee, in 2017, shaved his head. Shaved it clean. Before his wife, Sue, had to undergo chemotherapy. What solidarity, what empathy. I'm not too surprised knowing my friend. But Jesus went much further. Jesus went much, much further. (laughs) He, stretching out to touch and make the leper clean, well knew that he would be hunted down and hounded <clears throat> by the crowds wherever he went. Which is why, at the end of this story, the healed and cleansed leper goes into town, can't contain it, spreading the news of Jesus Christ. He goes into town to be with people, but just like at the beginning and the ending of this passage, it's the inclusio. Where does Jesus end up? In a desolate place. In fact, he's forced to go to a desolate place. By Mark chapter 3, he is publicly accused of having an unclean spirit. In Mark chapter 15, Jesus Christ then is condemned and treated as the most despicable, the most unclean, by being crucified upon a cross that was outside the city. Outside the city gates. It was a garbage dump out there. That's where they threw him down. He was cut off. He was left to die. All by himself. You see, the miracle that we see here only happens because Jesus came to trade places with you and with me. This is the gospel. Jesus came to trade places with the leper and with you and with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 announces, for our sakes, God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in him. In him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who was perfectly clean to become unclean so that all those who are unclean can be made touched, healed, cleansed, made clean in the very sight of God. Charles Wesley, in that famous hymn, a couple stanzas, it goes like this. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease, tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. To be touched and healed and cleansed 
by Jesus Christ is the miracle everyone really needs. And if you come to him in prayer today, Lord, if you will, make me clean. Take all my filth, all my sin. Touch me. Come into my life. And he will make you clean. And he's going to make you contagious. Because you're going to go out spreading the news. It's called the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. And I pray most of all, break hearts. Just move in, breaking hearts and remaking them with your compassion. Oh God, we have so far to go as a church, as your people, much like the disciples. Help us to see and feel. Oh Lord, move us to stretch out for we find more of you when we stretch out. Make us a countercultural, oh God, comprehensively caring, contagious people who bring life out of death. And Lord, if there be anyone here right now who needs to be made clean, Lord Jesus, touch them. Bring them to yourself right here, right now. For your glory and for your joy and for our eternal life with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.